Welcome, vagrants, to another edition of Dispatches from Zyja Station. I'm Barbie. And I'm Christine. And this week we are talking episode four, In a Sticky Spot. The original air date was April 23rd, 2020. The director was Danishka Estrahezi, and the writer was Mariko Tamaki. And of course, it's based on the comic book of the same name by Magdalene Visaggio and Jason Smith. So this episode, in a nutshell, a stealth mission through the Republic border becomes a fight for survival as Lazaro closes in. So we start out with a plan and all, and then things just kind of go south from there. We have two major storylines this, uh, this time around, and they're going on simultaneously. The A plot is Elita, Amay, Isaac, and Hath having to sneak around. And the B plot is Clive, Ered, Dinger, and Krom going through security legitimately. Quote unquote. As legitimate as we can get here, at least. Um, so this is the first episode that does not include any flashbacks in it. So we are solidly staying in the present time, and that really helps to tell the story for each group, I think. Absolutely. Last episode, we got a good look at the team being split up um, with Isaac and Amay kind of teaming up. This time, the main team sticks together, mostly, and we get a different dynamic and see the loyalists and how they are as people. Yeah, this is definitely an episode where, sure, there's plenty of action. This is a vagrant queen. There's always plenty of action. But you also really get to dive deeper into these characters, why they are who they are, how these different views of the world and the galaxy and all these different motivations really mesh with one another, whether it's Heth trying to get Alita to see the greater good, Alita just wanting to do her own thing, Isaac working on getting home, you get the idea. Right, right. So let's talk a little bit about the team before they split up. Uh, we start off with the scene where everyone's huddled around a table and getting the plan in place. You know, the, the classic plotting out, right? Elita has made this fantastic model of the spaceport using random items as stand-ins for, for the different people. And uh, one of the items was a bug, which she thought was dead, but was very much alive when she pointed to it. <laughs> um, and I can't remember if it's uh, if it was in an interview or one of the Fan Fridays, um, but Adrian says that she does not like bugs, and that scene was really hard for her. Though you have to admire Alita's dedication to the cause, building props to get the point across, even if those props end up being, shall we say, rather pointless. Yeah, well... Some of those what props, can you do? Yeah, some of those props might not be pointless um, in the end, you know. Uh, but we, we get a classic music dies caption when Dengar points out that Winniebot has a layout. Uh, of course, Alita is still using the model that she made, which I absolutely love that the rest of the scene is shot through Winniebot's hologram which is still following along. Um, so shout out to the director, Danishka Estrahezi, on that wonderful shot. 
And I think there'll be a lot of praise coming throughout the rest of this. Yeah, all the props. We'll just say it right up front here. Way to go. Nice job. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but the there's also a, a quick Amita moment between Alita and Ame when Alita was frustrated about how much time she spent on the model of the port. She's kind of throwing it around and Ame just stares at her. As you do when you're incredibly gay. And infatuated with your, how, how should we put their relationship? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're with your crewmate. Right, crewmate. That's a good, that's a better word than what I was going for. I mean, it's really just such a fun scene to watch and it sets the stage pretty well for everything we see later on, even when... Things start to go south and they just have to really abandon the plan they spent all this trouble on. Yeah, I mean, the model alone. <laughs> I've got to, we've got to go into the colors. Um, there are tons of spectacular colors in the episode. And I know that Jem has said that each planet has its own color. And I think it's pretty obvious that the space airport would, would have to be white and it's really cool. We see all the other colors pop. Um, I know in, in one of the scenes, we see a person with a rainbow hoodie. And if I could find that in the store, I would buy like three. <laughs> it's, I, noticed, I noticed it the first episode and I notice it every time I watch. But anyway, so we have we also have these uh, exterior shots of space, you know, the dark right vastness of space but the colors are still so pretty like with all the spaceships um i one of the scenes i i've said it like a million times would make a great mm -hmm. puzzle absolutely so i don't know if you're into puzzles at all a little bit <laughs> Um, but there's the, the scene that I'm talking about, there's, it's all the ships going into the port and there's like the different ship exhaust colors. So there's purples and greens and blues. And it was just, it really took my breath away. Yeah. I, I really loved getting to see just how colorful it was outside the station in space. And yeah. <laughs> Sure, the air, the space airport itself is rather more nondescript, but it's kind of like things are here on Earth. Not every building can be the Sydney Opera House. Of course. I, and I think of it really kind of like Zyjus Station in episode one, where the nondescriptness, if you will, of the environment is really made up for by all the people in the station. You get to see just how diverse this galaxy is. Sometimes you need a setting where the focus needs to be more on who's around and what's going on. And I think this accomplishes that rather nicely. For sure. It definitely does. Um, you see all kinds of different space aliens and situations. Um, but so going back to the color, I think the, the best color effect moment was... When Alita was provoking the guard to chase them, and her head is framed by blue and pink, her head's in the middle, and if you're not aware, those are the colors that, that represent bisexuality and are in the, the bisexual flag. So here she was in the middle of, of what's known as bisexual lighting, and then her line is, 
Eh, I hate labels. Literal perfection, I've gotta say. Absolutely. Not not just one of the most memorable lines of the episode, one of the most memorable lines of the entire show, period. Right. And, and it goes to show who Alita's become. Here she is, having it rejected these labels and these ideas that her society tried to push on her, and she's become, well, herself. She's free to be who she wants to be, and she doesn't really have to answer to some higher authority. I'd strike the really from that sentence were it not for Lazaro. <laughs> right. Um, so as as we said, uh, this episode you can just you can cleave in half as far as storylines go. So luckily, our heroes stay together with the addition of half. Isaac is a adorable with how excited he is to be on team quote-unquote most wanted <laughs> and we've mentioned Hath, and i do want to touch on Hath being there because Hath being around really brings a whole new dilemma for alita into the equation that question of what her destiny is versus who she wants to be and it's something I related to a fair bit. There's a bit toward the start of the episode, I think it's about seven or eight minutes in, where Hath mentions that soon Alita will be able to wear her birth name with pride. Now, let me tell you, as, as a trans person, and that, that's something I fully admit, who has some experience with tossing my birth name away, my first thought was... But have you considered she doesn't want to go back to that life path? Here Alita was destined to serve as queen, but in a sense, being on the run has given her a sense of freedom, a sense of who she really is. And just from my own perspective, I can completely understand why she wouldn't want to abandon that. She gets to choose her own path and her own priorities, not just get stuck with the ones shoved onto her. Yeah, and you make such a great point. You can you can tell she's conflicted because she wants to make mom happy, but at the cost is the cost going to be her newfound freedom and identity? Right, that sense of balance. And is it really even possible to balance it? Right. Um so when when the four of them arrive in the spaceport, I just need to know how no one noticed the random people falling from the ceiling. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've talked about how this galaxy is a lot like Earth in a lot of ways, and I'd imagine it's very similar thing in this case. Never underestimate the ability of people to either not pay attention to things or just brush off the unusual is completely normal. Yeah, for sure. So they get this epic hero walk down the hallway, getting ready for their plan to go into action, as you do. And it just fizzled out because there was no guard. And so... A quality the... comedy moment. <laughs> right. It was just, it was so anticlimactic. But never fear, Amay the Hacker is here. Unfortunately for Elita and Isaac, hacking is not instantaneous like they kind of, they, they show in the movies 
Yeah, there's just that feeling of get on with it already. (laughs) Right. Um, But that's another thing that I love throughout this episode, especially and the season, because there are so many moments like this. Like same. (laughs) Like once the heroes are in the door, the guard comes back, clearly from break or, or something. And he must have gotten a space coffee, maybe a squirt berry shake, but he just <laughs> proceeds to, <laughs> to attempt to drink it without removing his helmet, which is just a funny moment, because how did he ever expect that to work? And that's what I love about this show. It takes itself seriously when it needs to, but not too seriously. You blend all those sci-fi tropes that we've seen before with with a touch of comedy and reality. It's a human touch to the show. We can enjoy what's happening and sort of distance ourselves from it while still relating to what's going on even in this galaxy so different from ours. Yeah, definitely. And and speaking of, of technology being not immediate, uh, we learned again later on when Amay finished her workaround, it would take the system 10 minutes to reboot. And I just, a quick aside, during that technical moment, there's another shout out to Star Wars when the two Republic guards are talking to each other about their career choices. And there's a comment made about joining the dark side which is then followed by a comedic power going out, um, leaving them in the dark. And then when it comes back, both of them were just in awe. So, oh, right. shit, was that a sign? <laughs> which I laugh every time. And again, it's those touches of realism. It's another world, another galaxy, such a long way away from our own. And yet, in the grand scheme of things, it's not so different. Yep. And... Elita is consistent in her thoughtfulness and caring for others. We saw in the last episode with Pallas and wanting to help them. And then here she tells Hath, I'm not playing the hierarchy game. If one of us falls, we all fall. And we get that heart-melting look from Amay as she realizes just how big Elita's heart is underneath that hard exterior. Another one of my favorite lines from the episode, and I, I, I touched on that, that balance, that conflict a bit earlier, and I want to come back to that. It's in that moment where you really realize it's a matter of the, the, the family you're born with versus the family you choose, and, and I think that's something that a lot of us can relate to. Alita is taught throughout her life that her obligations as queen brought onto her because of her bloodline take first priority even as as she is quick to point out her bloodline leads her to have to run for her life and of course she cares for her mom but she also recognizes what isaac and amay are doing for her she knows damn well that they care about her and here she is showing that care right back And you really see just how much they mean to her. She's found people she really feels like she belongs with. And it's the sort of chosen family where they all make one another better people. Even even if Alita, being Alita, is doing her best not to let her feelings show. Yeah, and I mean, you're right. This is a concept that many of us, um, speaking as a queer queer person myself... um, that found family is is huge. I mean, you have so many people that don't um, 
have the best relationship with their blood family and right. get kicked out of their homes um or 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 you know worse um but yeah that you you know once you find those people once you find your people and and that's where you're safe and that's who you love and that's who loves you and that's you know that it's definitely a, a theme and it's it describes Alita and and, and crew yeah it sums up the state of things so well i mean here alita pretty much had to abandon her home she she got forced out not not because family was crap or anything but but because of the whole revolution but it forces her to really grapple with things mm-hmm. well let's take a little turn let's change subjects here um and talk about a maze character so oh, she's, of course we have to. <laughs> we, we've seen her in a couple of different roles now. So she's, what, she's played the the Republic Guard. She's played a mossy <laughs> rock creature, whatever. <laughs> um, and so here she is. Um, she gets really into it in this episode. She plays a port worker, comes up with an entire backstory, and... Not only does she come up with a backstory, but she really gets to lean in and use it this time. Right. Um, once Isaac is taken, we have a May splitting off to to use her computer skills where where she can use them, and she runs into an engineer and starts to go into character right away. But Elita is trying to talk to her too. And Ame keeps it together at the start, but the Port Authority gets the gist after Alita kind of t- says something else. Um, so that leads Ame to use force. And, you know, I love that she hates to do it. She's always so apologetic and, like, she really doesn't want to hurt anyone. Um she just has a caring personality, but she can be so tough. And, you know, she so she knocks the engineer out a second time when she was working. And another fun fact is those sparks were real in the computer. Um, so talk about commitment to the role. That actor really had to be careful, I bet. Oh, I'm sure. In, in just thinking about all these roles that Amy is taking on, I can just picture the... Amay tries to hit it big in Hollywood, AU. <laughs> Fanfic yeah. writers, get on that, please. <laughs> All right, but, well. But yeah, I, I I just love seeing in this episode how Amay really tries to build up her character. She's so dedicated to the cause. She takes this so seriously, and yet when it comes down to it, she'll take as Isaac puts his approach early on, more of an improv approach just for the sake of getting this mission to work. And like, I just think of the line, I just completely forgot my entire backstory. There was a terrible performance. It's just (laughs) so delightful. And you really feel for her in the moment. She doesn't want to be a bad person. And yet you've got to do what you have to do to get out of these situations. Right. You, yeah, whether it's bad acting or or what, but um, 
Speaking of getting out of situations, when the guards are searching for the fugitives, Amay makes a comment to herself that she's glad her character isn't claustrophobic. <laughs> so right. clearly a very thorough backstory made up. And then shortly after the escape, when she's going through the vents, she runs into some other port workers. And instead of, you know, shooting or causing a scene of some kind, which is probably what Alita would do, or or even Isaac, um, she just stops and falls right back into character. And that works out great for her because they end up telling her where she needs to go or how she needs to get to where she needs to go. And I'm sure she's the only one that could pull that could pull that off so smoothly. Yeah, I mean, imagine if Alita or especially Isaac were <laughs> going through that. But yeah, I love that scene partly because you really get that perspective of what everything going down looks like to the people who aren't fighting this fight. I just can picture you're gonna tell us what the hell is going on. Yeah, especially when they don't. Have a, when these people don't have an effing clue what's going on. You, and, and you really see a lot of that in this episode, which I suppose is natural when you said it in a space airport. Better not be any delays. We got places to be. Right, right. And, and, and it just goes to show that all of this isn't happening within a bubble. The, the consequences are very real. Right. So true. Let's talk about the B-plot. It was so much fun getting to know and love these characters. Um, I mean, we, we've known them the last couple episodes, but we haven't really dug deep. Um, and of course, just as we started to like Ered, she sacrifices herself to let the others escape. So I guess she now joins the likes of Nim, who, if you'll recall, sacrificed himself back in episode two. So, can we have a moment of silence for the previously creepy, now kind of heroic Ered? Rest in peace, Ered. At least we leave you with fond memories. I love the callback, though. Earlier in the episode, when she notices the, the armor, points it out to Krom and Dengar, and then zeroes in on it when they needed something later on. Also, something about Ired, I loved when they were at customs and there's that anything to declare moment where they all just laugh <laughs> because they, you know, just like an inside joke kind of um, that they're not really there for the reason that they're saying they are. Um, but Ired, Ired gets to go into character a little bit. She makes sure her voice deepens as if that will sell the story better. And then the diarrhea story just gets me. The captions make it about a hundred times better <laughs> when they say, make sputtering sounds. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then of course, Krab is clueless, um, you know, a couple minutes after they get turned away and is asking when Irid ate this nut and Dengar and Irid make this motion that I interpret as a signals crossed kind of thing, which is basically the all this went over your head type sign. Also, did they really feel the need to have a squirpberry machine right after talking about diarrhea? That can't have been an accident. Yeah, it's true. 
I mean, I really just love how Ira gets those moments in, in, in the spotlight this episode. It, it's a nice farewell to her character. And really, I think that's something we see a lot of in this episode, where characters are having to get into character themselves. And I, and I think it's really a testament to all these actors. It's, it's one thing to play another character, but then it's another thing entirely to have that character playing a character themselves. It's like... Inception. 40 <laughs> acting. Right, yeah. It's it's great. And and they pull they pull it off. I I mean it's it's They believable. really do. Yeah. So while Krob, Ired, and Dengar are waiting to get access to the ship and asking about Alita and crew and who should come bursting through the door but our hero herself. So that role <laughs> fanfare. Um that role Adrian pulls off is impressive and Danishka has said that the fight scene had to be done all in one take because once the feathers flew they couldn't reset that shot at least not without hours and hours of wasted time right right so props to both of, of them definitely absolutely um so and I loved the Krob and Dengar teaming up to use the orbs. That was great. It's yet another fantastic fight scene, even if it does end with us losing Ired. You, you, you get to see everybody being a badass, especially Ired. For, for all Alita looks down on the loyalists, you have to admit their intentions are good. Ired gave her life... So that Alita and the and her team and the other loyalists could all keep on going. Yep, yep. Um, so let's go to the bad guy, Lazaro. Lest we forget, right? I, th- there is still some. <laughs> there is still some bad guys. Um, yes. We so we get to see Lazaro in a few different scenarios. Of course, he's on the ship with his call to the Admiralty who, I, just Admiral Rykal, Robin Scott, is, I, I love her. I love her. Same. And <laughs> she is so over Lazaro. Just done. Um, and, and I and I can't blame her one bit. Not at all. She seems like she has a very good head on her shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then he's. we also see him on the spaceport when he's questioning Isaac after he gets captured. Um, and then at the end, during the aftermath of, of this battle that we just talked about, and I feel like even though we see him throughout the episode, he is not a focus at all. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Lazaro takes kind of a back seat in this part of the season. I mean, certainly we get the introduction of him in episode one and all, but, and of course he's still there throughout these next few episodes, a never looming threat, but... Let's be honest, he's not terribly much of a threat, not right now, anyway. Right. I think there is just kind of a funny moment um, where Isaac, he's, you know, Isaac is questioned by Lazaro, and he's saying that Isaac says they're in a rock band, and he started off just right. so serious. <laughs> hey, I just love the interplay between Isaac and Lazaro. He is glorious because Isaac's snarky attitude plays so well off the no-nonsense attitude of Lazaro. And, right. and of course, Lazaro really does his best to claw through and get to the heart of Isaac's motivations. 
and I'm paraphrasing here, is this really worth giving up your chances of getting home? And so even if Lazaro isn't necessarily a major threat, he, he can still do loads of damage at a psychological level. Right, yes. I mean, we all know that that's what Isaac, that's Isaac's heart is, is at home. And that's what right, he wants. and of course, of course, we've heard him talking about his his family back at home, and mm-hmm. his son by this point, you kind of feel for him, right? Um, so enough about the bad guys. Let's talk love. This episode mm-hmm. has the best Amita scenes to date. Yep, truth. The of course you thought of that at the beginning episode. Well, actually, that whole scene, the, you know, let's handle this one together. Right. It's just such a heartfelt scene. You can really see how much of a bond is building up between them. If last episode really launched the ship, then this episode, full speed ahead. Right. You can really see how much they care about each other and especially how much Amaya cares about Alita. Yes. And so many looks this episode. Like, when Amei was hacking the door open, she gives Alita the sweetest look right after she asked, right after Alita asked how much longer until the door opens. I was absolutely convinced they were going to kiss when they were in the hallway. That makes a lot of us. (laughs) Best moment so far. I mean, they, they looked at each other's lips and the smile. And, you know, sorry, it's okay, you're saving my life. That hallway moment was intense. Truth. Um, fun fact, another one. I'm just full of them today. <laughs> um, Adrian and Alex wanted to shoot that scene again because they knew how important it was to get it right. Um, and that was the take that was used in the show. And I think they got it spot on. I would have to agree. And, and I really just love how the moment comes out of nowhere. What, one moment they're just doing their best to carry out the mission and get away. And the next thing they know, there they are right next to each other, staring right into each other's eyes. And here we are back at home having a, a complete gay meltdown. <laughs> I know I was. <laughs> Same. It was just such a heartfelt moment. One of the best of the whole season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then, so when Amay says, I know what I'm doing, all I can think about is what she's doing to all of our hearts. But <laughs> the way that she looks at Elita when she's talking about not leaving anyone behind, when Elita's saying that she doesn't leave anyone behind, you can tell that there's some deep respect that's forming. Yep. And you have to even wonder if either of them would consider themselves in outright love. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely the the, the the base is set. We're, we're laying it down. So let's wrap it up. Let's talk about the end of the episode. That cliffhanger. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, so once everybody's back on the ship, Elita says, that's all of us and immediately stops short and looks at half apologetic because they had literally just lost Ered. 
And it's such a sad moment, because much as we had a lot of reasons to dislike Yurich, she was still a valuable part of the team, and a person with good intentions on the whole. Yep, definitely. Um, we get a final Amita moment in the cockpit when they're talking about their moms. Uh, Amay says that she tells her mom about interesting people, and then Q staring at Alita... And, hmm. <laughs> um, at, you know, let's just listen to the whole exchange. Any words of advice? Oh, it changes all the time. Sometimes I tell her about a new food I've tried. Or an interesting person I've met. I update her a lot on Chaz. Especially every time he gets a new tattoo. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. I'm totally making your moment about me. What? No. Are you kidding me? This is helpful. I am... Um, I just wanted to say thank you, you know, for everything. You don't have to keep thanking me. I'm glad to be here. It's been like, what, seven years since you've seen your mom and that's what you're wearing? Ah! Isaac, why did you walk in right there? Well, we can't win them all, can we? I guess <laughs> not. <laughs> anyway, we end the show, crash landing on Wix. And I, re I really love that the ship crashes in the distance. You know, we see it come down. We've, we're focused on this Dunkrum eating this, you know, harmless little banana. or Not banana. Carrot-like thing. Um, and you don't hear the crash it's just you see it and you know it happens and i think that it actually adds instead of uh instead of taking away yeah it's just such an ominous moment and if ever there were a cliffhanger this is it i remember watching this episode for the first time and spending the entire next week being desperate to find out what happened what would happen next because what a moment and let me tell you that wait ended up being worth it yeah definitely episode five is a good episode a lot happens and of course we'll be talking about it soon yep can't wait <laughs> neither can i but first we gotta finish up talking about this episode yeah <laughs> so what was your favorite line Easily, if one of us falls, we all fall. That, With I don't like labels being a close that, second. That was my favorite. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, those two were just perfection. The, the If one of us falls, we all fall. Solid. The writing is just phenomenal. And then, of course, if we're going to talk about episode highlights, we have to talk about the Amita scene in yep. the hall. Yes, of course. That was, I think that is the, the episode highlight, at least at least for me. I guess if you're not Same really into love me. stories, maybe it's not for you, but I am a sucker for them. So am I. <laughs> and so, on the whole, if I had to rate this, I'd give this episode... Nine squirt berry lattes. <laughs> um, and I think that I would do probably about nine meat sticks. <laughs> Thank you, Clive. <laughs>
Also, rest in peace, Clive. Also, rest in peace. And let's, we're going to start a, a segment of um, deaths in the episodes. Because there's so many that we, there, there comes a point where you just have to start keeping track. Right. So I've got, I've got a tally. So we've got Ered and Clive from this episode. And then, of course, as we mentioned, we have Nim. So we Nim. have Nim. We have a total of three deaths. Wah-ah-ah. After episode four, and trust us, dear listeners, that can't. That count's just gonna keep going up from here. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see. Good guys, bad guys, main guys. I don't know. And enough about the episode. Let's talk about. Uh, well, one last bit about the episode. We've got to talk about ratings. This was the first episode to air on Thursday night, and it clocked in at 182,000 viewers, not down too terribly much from episode three, only about 26,000 viewers or so down, and it ended up coming in 122nd among new cable broadcasts that night, and as far as 18 to 49 viewers go, it ticked up a hundredth of, of a point to... Point zero five. It really wasn't quite the death sentence we all thought, uh, so many of us thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. So let's go. Uh, there's a few bits of recent news, um, though some of these are things that we mentioned in our Save Vagrant Queen episode that we released earlier in the week. So if you've not listened to that already, go back and give it a listen. You'll be glad you did. For sure. And it's it's a quick one. It's just a little eight minute or so mini-sode. So first of all, the UK vagrants, Lucky Ducks, there's a DVD and Blu-ray. Damn right. <laughs> DVD and Blu-ray of the first season coming your way. Um, that'll be out officially on the 13th, uh, just a few days from now as we're recording this. Unfortunately, it seems like it's a bare-bones release, so just the episodes, no special features or anything like that. But still, if you want to support the series, that option is right there. Absolutely. I, I took a look, and the, the DVDs clock in at around 20 pounds, and then the Blu-ray, I believe, is closer to 30 pounds. So it's, it, it, it's a good investment from my point of view. But then, of course, we host the podcast on the show, so... <laughs> right, I know. I had I broke down and bought the the, se- the season on Google Play, so I, I'm doing my part. <laughs> um, we certainly all are. Yeah. So uh, this is breaking news. Uh, came out the day that we're recording this episode. But Emily Andress of Winona Earp fame has confirmed that Jem Gerard will be directing at least one episode of Winona Earp. And, and, for, and forgive us for taking a moment to just geek out here, because, of course, both of us are Earpers. Yeah, I've been... <laughs> <laughs> I've been happy all day, and it's it's so funny, um, because I have actually been, like, daydreaming of a match like that for months. And... I, I wish that Adrian or Alex could be on the show. Um, obviously, Tim already is, so we got that covered. Um, but due to the funding that Winona Earp gets, the cast and crew have to be Canadian citizenship. They're 
they have to have Canadian citizenship. But we can dream, right? <laughs> we absolutely can. It, it, it'll be exciting to see what ends up coming from that. Yeah, I, I was thinking, I mean, I know that Jem is not a writer. She's just doing the, the directorial um, aspect of it. But I wonder if they're going to pair her up with, um, with any major deaths that we get to see. Because she seems oh, so my. good. We ju- I mean, we just saw Irid and, and uh, Clive right there. <laughs> rest in peace. Rest in One peace. One more time. Right. Nim, Clive, Ired, we remember. I believe we also have a charity giveaway to discuss, do we not? Uh, We sure do. We are nearing the end of our charity giveaway. The last day to get those donations in uh, for the third and final charities uh, is July 15th. So the prizes for this one are really exciting. There's a hand-stitched steers ad that you can display prominently. And a Vagrant Queen comic page from none other than the artist himself, Jason Smith. Which Exciting. We thank him very much for, for being so generous and, and donating that to us. We certainly do. Thank you, Jason. Thank you very much. Um, and I will let you know how much we raised for each charity in our next podcast episode, because obviously it'll be wrapped up by then. Thank you to everyone who donated to the charities, and a huge thank you to all those who donated items to win. Yes, massive kudos go out to all of you. Yes, and we will put up some links to the folks that have donated, and we hope that you will take a look at their stuff and maybe buy some things. Yeah, of course. It's not just about us. We, we we like to hear what all of you have to say, too. And so it's on that note that we'll get into our listener comments for for this episode. Mm-hmm. And so at Artsy Magician, a friend of the podcast, has these thoughts in just quoting directly here. I really enjoyed this episode for many reasons. One, it poked fun at airports and the TSA. As a New Yorker, I always have to go to JFK to travel. Definitely not the nicest airport. It is chaotic and filled with endless lines of travelers with quite the personalities. VQ does a good job of showing what this place is like in space. Two, the music is specifically in the fight scene with Alita and crew. That guitar riff is epic as Alita runs and flips into battle. I am so impressed with Adrian. She literally gave me butterflies watching her do this stuff herself. I probably watched this battle over 20 times or so. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great point. Um, so Artsy Magician continues on with a third point. Alita's line, ugh. I hate labels. I loved it so much, I literally had to design it. And the design came out so well. It did. I I love it. I have two of them myself, uh, stickers. I've got one on my laptop and one on my water bottle. But um, yeah, check check that out. It's perfect. Um, And then she goes on to say uh, her fourth and final point. Ired's line to the agent, quote, 
It's diarrhea. I'm having violent diarrhea. Like the fountain of Rivillian. Swoosh, swoosh. I didn't expect her to say something so out of character. It caught me off guard just like it did with her allies. It was hilarious. It brought me into tears of laughter. Yeah, there are just so many things to love about this episode. Yes, and thank you to uh, for really putting that uh, the whole quote that we did not do that in our in our podcast, but here it is right for you, the listeners. <laughs> thank you for sending that in at Artsy Magician. We yes. appreciate it. And, and of course, if you've got thoughts on on episode five, which we're planning on doing next, or on what we're doing here on the podcast or on the show in general, or on hash- or on the matter of hashtag Save Vagrant Queen. We'll have the deets out for you on how to do that in just a minute here. Yeah, and I mean, even if it's not episode five, if you have uh, really strong feelings on six, seven, eight, nine, or ten, we are open. You can email us anytime or DM us on Twitter. Our messages are open, so you can do that. But for now, thank you for listening to our discussion. Christine, where can we find you on social media? I am at Retro Time Lady on Twitter. And you can find me at Only One Leia on Twitter and Instagram for whatever that's worth. And that'll wrap things up for the episode. Next week, we are talking episode five. We're looking forward to it, and we hope you will too. Of course, keep listening now to hear about all the different ways you can support our dispatches. For now, though. Until the next dispatch from Zyja Station, the fight goes on. This has been a podcast from another galaxy. Not Not yours. We are a fan-driven podcast, which means you help us do what we do, so we appreciate any way you can show your support for our work. You can find us on Twitter at Pod. that's X-I-J-A-D-I-S-P-A-T-C-H-P-O-D. There, you can find current news about Vagrant Queen, our podcast, and many other things happening in the fandom. You can also support us on a long-term or short-term basis through Patreon. Your subscription there helps us cover expenses for the podcast, whether it's hosting costs or giveaways or anything else that makes us the best fan space it can be. To find us on Patreon and to get more information, just go to patreon.com and search Zyja, X-I-J-A. And of course, as a fan podcast, we want to hear from you, the fans. Our email is vagrantqueenpod at gmail.com. You can send us a text or voice recording, whether it's about what's happening on the episode, your thoughts on the show as a whole, or what we're doing here on the podcast. This is an inclusive space, so send us your comments or feedback and make yourself heard. Finally, Podbean hosts new episodes of our podcasts. That's where you can go to find the latest episodes of our programs and keep up to date on what's happening in our galaxy. We also have transcripts available if you need them. That's at Zyja Station, 
www.podbean.com. Till next time, Zygestation, over and out. I'm fuck. <laughs> there, there's one for the blooper reel. <laughs> nice.